It's Friday, March 26th, Spencer Speaks Sports, hosted by me, Spencer Swoboda. And uh, the thing I want to get to first off is the NBA trade deadline that has come and gone. And uh, some teams definitely made some moves. I'll start with the Celtics here as they have acquired Evan Fournier for two second round picks. Uh, first of all, do not just Google Fournier by itself. <laughs> Google Evan Fournier, because Fournier is a type of gangrene that uh, apparently makes your penis fall off. So that's um, so there's that helpful information. Um, anyway, uh, Fournier is going to be a good scoring option off the bench for the Celtics. I mean, this season uh, with Orlando, he's averaged 17 points per game, roughly four or three assists per game. Um, so good good option off the bench um i thought the celtics might have done a little bit more at the deadline than just uh fournier there um they got mo wagner and then what the i can't remember his last it was court daniel cornet um i've never i don't think i've ever heard of him um but uh just uh, another player to go on the bench there and then be a role player for the team um but uh, i i didn't necessarily like that they got rid of Daniel Tice just for uh, Mo Wagner there, and um, you know I I understand uh, they definitely still need a big guy. Uh, Robert Williams, they're one of their um, centers that's still on a rookie deal. Uh, he is definitely effective, but I'm concerned about increasing his minutes because he is kind of injury prone i would say um so if you go from like 17 minutes a game up to see i think tice was at like 25 minutes a game then that could be slightly problematic um though I, my concerns i mean a, a little bit lower because it is only eight minutes a game so but i mean that's still a big jump um so that's I was disappointed that Tice went for not necessarily a whole lot back. Uh, Jeff Teague was also traded along with Javante Green. Um, Teague, another veteran role player there, could have been useful to still have on the roster. And then Green, I think he's on like his, his rookie deal still. So uh, I, I'm definitely going to be mad if they don't take advantage of the buyout market. So what happens sometimes as of the trade deadline, it's basically a player getting released, but he gets a, a decent amount of his pay um, from the team there. And uh, you have it with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge of the Spurs, who's a power forward center uh, veteran player there. And then you also have Andre Drummond. Uh, I It seems more likely that the Celtics would have a better shot at Andre Drummond, who this season, I mean, he's averaging – what 17 points 13 rebounds a game and 25 games this season that he's played because he's he hasn't played with the the cleveland cavaliers there they're just sitting him out at this point um until uh until the buyout happened which it which it it has uh but he had 12 of those or actually 18 of those 25 starts uh had a double double which 10 points 10 plus points 10 plus rebounds in a game um and then actually first 12 games of the season uh, that he played in uh, he had a double double so he, he has the ability to put up 25 points like 22 rebounds i believe is one of his stat lines so he can put up crazy numbers like that and that's something that the celtics need they have tristan thompson there and tristan thompson is a good veteran player to have in the lineup i mean he's but he's only averaging like 
seven points a game, nine rebounds a game. So effective, still getting uh, getting boards there, but uh, needs the Celtics. I think need a a better scoring option for their their big man position because Robert Williams could very well do it, um, and he he'll be. I think he'll be um, the uh, the um, predominant center there for the Celtics uh, in in the future here in the next few years but uh, for now I think there's still a, a factor of limiting his minutes so he's healthy enough uh, but like I mean like I said too his efficiency is very very good um, but it's just not not the perfect time yet I, they still need that veteran presence so um, hopefully they bring in a guy like Andre Drummond who just um did the buyout there with the Cleveland Cavaliers um, because the Celtics have like 30 plus million dollars in trade exemption. So, uh, and, and that expires in, I believe November of this year. So hopefully they're able to use some of that in the off season, maybe uh, when it comes time and, and they're able to get like another good player to compliment Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, players like that. Um, Kemba Walker, Marcus smart. Um, so they just need that like that that big man presence because I mean Daniel Tice was good but he's he's more of a power forward a, a stretch four versus a, a five on the floor um, you need a true five a true center um, playing on on the floor with Boston to make them even close to being a a contender for saying getting into the Eastern Conference Finals or um, or even making the NBA Finals this year um, because right now being their what eighth in the let me check this quick i think they're eighth in the standings right now i mean it's it's changing every day because of how close the eastern conference is like right now the charlotte hornets are fourth place right now behind the the sixers bucks and that's who have separated themselves um the hornets are nine games back at the first place 76ers in the east meanwhile the Celtics are 10 and a half games back they're two games under 500 um and it's just weird to see that you have the Charlotte Hornets, New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks at four, five, six, and then you had the Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, and Indiana Pacers at seven, eight, nine. You would think those would be switched, um, but not right now. Um, and as I keep saying when I when I talk about the standings, I mean Hornets being the four seed right now between the Pacers at the nine seed, that's only a two game gap. So, it, like I said, it's it's going to constantly keep changing, and. Um, and I think if, if we're talking about other uh, acquisitions yesterday, you have uh, more transactions. You have the Houston Rockets are, um, I'll just say this, they better have some uh, freakish, freakishly good uh, draft picks uh, or, or selections that they make these upcoming years because with the hardened trade that they made, um, and, and who else? I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the other one. Um, oh, the Russell Westbrook trade too. Um, if if they don't get like young star power and, and effective star power that that translates well to the league within a couple years of them getting drafted, then the James Harden trade from Houston to Brooklyn is going to be a bust for the Rockets. Um, because I mean, they they just traded. Um, Let's see. They got Oladipo in part of that, in part of the big Harden deal, because there was multiple teams involved in the trades. And I mean, Miami gave away Avery Bradley, Ken, Kelly Olynyk, and then a first round um, pick swap for 2022, I believe it was. And that's like pennies on the dollar for Miami. I mean, there's 
They got a star player in Oladipo, an all-star player in Oladipo uh, for nothing, for like Miami role players that don't really make a huge difference. Um, and then the, the pick swap, nothing too crazy there. Uh, I mean, the Heat at this point are absolutely going to be a top six team, no doubt. I mean, they're like I said, they're 10 games back right now, seventh. Um, they can easily get into uh, – fourth in the Eastern Conference standings to start to pull away and kind of um, just set in that four seed spot um, with what they're doing. I mean, you have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, Goran Dragic is there. Um, who else? I mean, they, they were able to keep Tyler Hero there, even though his shooting is not that great this season. I mean, you still want to keep that young core um, the, I mean, they just drafted Precious Anuwa out of Memphis there this past year. He's he's not really um, going to have a a prominence in the lineup right now just because he's young. But uh, but still, I mean, you just have a really good core of players in Miami to where they can make that deep playoff run like they did in the bubble last season to where they got to the finals and lost to uh, the Lakers, to a more healthier Los Angeles Lakers team with LeBron James there. Um, so the Miami Heat definitely won at the deadline. Uh, the As I mentioned, uh, the Celtics got Fournier from Orlando, and Orlando traded um, two other of their, I guess, their star players here and one of them was Aaron Gordon who ended up going to Denver so he'll join up with Nikola Jokic and uh, and Jamal Murray uh and, and be in that Denver lineup and Aaron Gordon will definitely be in the playoffs with Denver there um so that's good because he that's one complaint that he had and the reason why he requested a trade from Orlando was the success of the team being so, something like uh I can't remember uh, from from the other day of what I said, but it was like two thirty and and three twenty was like the record for Orlando during Aaron Gordon's stretch, um, something like that, uh, roughly. But uh, but yeah, so now he's going to more uh, of a team a team that gets more wins, and uh, that'll be good for him. Um, and then the, I think the the best player. Uh, Vucevic from Orlando. He got traded to the Bulls, and um, I think Amino, uh, Aminu as well um, from Orlando also was part of that deal to Chicago. And uh, the Bulls, I mean, they um, are starting to look like a, a team that can start making deep playoff runs. It may just take a couple more years. Uh, they do have a young core with um, Zach Levine being the uh, the star of that. And uh, I mean, right now they're tenth in the East. They got the last uh, spot for the playing games right now. They're currently twelve games back of the Sixers, only three games back of the fourth place Hornets. Um, so yeah, so so they're looking to uh, make a make a run for the playoffs here. Um, they have a decent shot with the acquisition of, of Vucevic or Vucevic. Sorry. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the Bulls did or they had an effective trade deadline uh, period there. And um, there was one final team, I think, well, talking about the Magic there, obviously they got 
they offloaded a bunch of their star talent. But uh, I think with the picks they acquired and and some of the veterans that they trade or just the players that they traded for, um, they could be in good shape here to eventually get themselves back into the playoffs. I mean, you have players like Cole Anthony, Terrence Ross, Otto Porter Jr., I believe they just traded for. Um, Wendell Carter Jr., they just got. Michael Carter Williams is a bench player. Uh, I believe they got RJ Hampton from Denver yesterday. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, um, and then Markel Fultz, of course. I mean, that's that's a healthy lineup. I think Orlando does have a a, a decent amount of injuries with those players right now. Um, I think maybe even half of those players are injured right now. But anyway, when they're healthy, I mean, that's that's a pretty effective young core to build around. And then, like I said, you have the draft picks for Orlando to to build upon. Um, so it's uh, so yeah. So uh, not necessarily a winner, obviously, because they got rid of so many guys. But those guys weren't effective. I mean, heck, Orlando's 14th out of 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, sitting 16 and a half games behind the 76ers. So uh, I think uh, knowing that they weren't they were 15 and 29 with those players in their lineup. I think it was a good call to to offload, uh, stock up on some picks and build around the young talent that you have on the roster. The Sweet 16 games for both the women's and the men's tournament coming up. Uh, these start on Saturday, well, tomorrow. And um, so, yeah, let me go with the, uh, the women's tournament here first. And uh, the one seed matchups are, I mean, I don't see any problems with, say, UConn, NC State, South Carolina, Stanford. I think those aren't going to be too hard of matchups here. I don't expect any surprising close overtime games, stuff like that. Pretty um, effective wins, I, I see. But uh, there is an intriguing matchup with um, Iowa, the five seed, and, and UConn, the one seed. I can't remember what region it is. But anyway, the big matchup is between Caitlin Clark and uh, Paige, I believe it's Becker's um, is her last name. There's like a U in there, so it's kind of confusing. But anyway, uh, Caitlin Clark is leading the nation, uh, the entire NCAA Division One in scoring, averaging like 26 a game. Also has seven assists, which I think is like top five in the nation. Um, so a very good player. She had 35 against Kentucky in the second round win there for Iowa. That was like a 14-point win. Um, but the thing and the, the reason why I think UConn handles Iowa is just because the team for UConn's better in general. Uh, UConn played Syracuse, the eighth seed, in the second round of the tournament. And I believe four of their starters had double digits, including Paige uh, Beckers there, who had 20 points and uh, probably at least four or five assists there as well. Um, so I think UConn has the deeper team um, to be able to, um, first off, uh, first of all, handle Caitlin Clark's um, offensive production and then have the the bigger non-guard players um, be more effective in the paint area. So that's why I think it shouldn't be a problem for UConn. I think it should be a high-scoring game, no doubt, just because of the star um, talent there. But, uh, but yeah, pretty easy going for the one seeds I see. The two seeds now... Uh, gets a little bit more interesting. Um, six seed Michigan versus two seed Baylor. Uh, Michigan had a good win against Tennessee, but Baylor has been 
super good on on offense. I, I think uh, Baylor would play UConn next if both of those teams win, and that could be an uh, not really an upseller because it's a one-two matchup in that region. But still, like I think Baylor has a shot to take out UConn in the Elite Eight there when they play. It would be, I think, on uh, that would be Monday. That would be a Monday matchup. Uh, so. So, yeah, look out for that. Um, but Michigan could pose a threat there. And then you have another two-seed matchup. You have three-seed Arizona playing the, the second-seed Texas A&M. And this, I think, is the biggest upset threat um, if you're talking about a a higher seed beating a lower seed. Um to where, I mean, Texas A&M has struggled these first two games. I mean, they lost by four to Troy, who was a 15 seed in the first round. Um, that's super uncharacteristic that a, a game is played that close. In fact, Troy probably could have won that game um, towards the end there. I think there was a, a backcourt violation call that was missed. Um, and then it took an overtime game winning, I believe it was a layup uh, by a, a Texas A&M guard there uh, in overtime to beat seven seed Iowa State. It was like uh, 84, 82. So Texas A&M has played some uncomfortably close games to start that that shouldn't really be happening for a high seed like that. Um, I mean, granted, Arizona did play 11 seed BYU, only won that game by six. Uh, they pulled away in the fourth quarter there. It was tied after three quarters. Uh, so maybe maybe it's just um, they just cancel each other out and Texas A&M is just a better team. But uh, I I mean, I have to see Texas A&M get, get off to a strong start to to make me confident that they'll win that game. Um, and then the next one is a little interesting, uh, six-seed Oregon and, and two-seed Louisville. Um, both teams are, are very efficient from the field, but I think Louisville's offense is, also, is a little bit more um, prolific in, in scoring. Uh, I think they're going to be able to get more shots up as well. Um, maybe it's because they're more effective rebounding, but um, – I, I just um I don't know maybe just the threat of Oregon being the sixth seed there I mean they had a good win over Georgia who was the three seed in the second round so so maybe that's a factor too but um, I, I still like Louisville there and then the final uh, matchup regarding the two seeds is, is six seed Texas who had beat three seed US UCLA previously uh, versus the second seed Maryland and um, just the way Maryland has played. Um, their first two rounds, I think, I think um, they're just playing a little too well and, and will be a little too overwhelming for Texas there. So um, just to wrap it up quick, like I said, one seeds, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. Don't expect anything surprising there, but uh, the two seeds could be a little bit more in intriguing, a little bit higher chance of an upset. Um, all right, let me move to the men's tournament now to close. And uh, I, I, Obviously, there's eight matchups here, and um, some easy win matchups I, I see happening is uh, three-seed Arkansas playing 15-seed Oral Roberts. Now, Oral Roberts has made a unprecedented run to the Sweet 16 as a 15-seed. Only other 15-seed to do that was Florida Gulf Coast back in 2013, I believe the year was. And, um, yeah, so quality wins over Ohio State and then Florida, um, which I was – very surprised that Florida didn't win that game. I, I actually had Florida going to the Sweet 16 in my bracket, um, but uh, but yeah, I think it just it 
it stops uh, the 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 miracle stops um uh, and i believe they play tomorrow on saturday there um i think with arkansas having this week to prep for oral roberts i think it makes it a um a problem here i actually think these teams might have played each other earlier in the season let me do a quick search on that i think i heard someone mention that in the coverage this past uh week here um but anyway, yeah, I just I just see the miracle uh, coming to an end there. Um, I'll get back to that Oral Roberts thing if um, if I, I'm, I'm able to find it there. Um, but anyway, uh, the next one um, I see easy wins happening for one seed Baylor and one seed Gonzaga against the five seeds Villanova and Creighton respectively. There um, now Villanova is is always a, fe- a threat because they're defend uh, not defending but um previous or recent national champions here within the last like five years um so always in tournament time it's a team that you have to look out for but i, I just think baylor's too much on the offensive end they just put up way too many points and um unless villanova is able to have effective defense to where they can keep it uh the the uh, game close then uh, that's that's a possibility but uh, like I said I really like Baylor's offense very uh, prolific there and that's the same deal with Gonzaga and I, I understand Creighton's good uh, they Creighton had a a good win over who did they beat well, oh Ohio they they played the the 13 seed Ohio uh, avoided any um, possible upset that uh, from them uh, shut down their star player. And uh, but Gonzaga is just way too good, way too effective on the floor uh, shooting. And they put up a ton of points to where I Creighton's going to have to be on fire offensively in order to match. And I just I just don't think it's reasonable the way Gonzaga's playing right now. Um, and let me let me uh, I did find this Arkansas score. So Arkansas played Oral Roberts on December 20th. Of, uh, of this season and won by 11. So it could be a close game, but um, I, I think, uh, man, I, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see Oral Roberts winning another game. You know, just, uh, I think the, the 15 seed run stops at the sweet 16. Um, but I mean, who knows? This tournament's been crazy uh, already. So, all right, let me go into the games. I think are going to be a little bit more competitive here. And um, I will start with the eight seed Loyola Chicago Ramblers versus the 12 seed Oregon State Beavers. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I could easily say that Loyola Chicago is going to win this game, but I'll make a case for Oregon State here um, with the fact being that they have beaten Tennessee and Oklahoma State this, in this tournament already. Um, they've been able to, well, they were able to um, minimize uh, Jane Springer there of Tennessee in the first round, only allowing him the 12 points, one of their best scorers on the team, um, keeping yeah, keeping him the 12 points. Oklahoma State only shot 27% against Oregon State in the second round of the tournament. And um, But the thing I think they need to make sure doesn't happen against Loyola Chicago if they have any chance of winning is um, they cannot have 20 turnovers like they get like they did in the game against Oklahoma State, or else it is for sure game over um, because Loyola Chicago, the way their defense plays, only allowing, what, like 55 points a game this season. Um, If Oregon State has 20 turnovers, I mean, oh, my gosh, it's going to be a blowout. Um, 
So they, so Oregon State needs to be smart with the ball, or like I said, or else it's going to be a a long uh, forty minutes uh, <laughs> of um, of uh, loyal Chicago dominance there. So that's what I got for that. Um, Eleven seed Syracuse, second seed Houston, and Syracuse making a a. One of those double-digit miracle runs again that they're seems like they're used to <laughs> uh, making in the tournament here this past decade, and um, I, I just man, it's going to be tough. They need to be uh, effective from three with Buddy Bayheim there, Joe Girard, uh, players like that, uh, because if they don't knock those shots down, uh, Houston's such a good offensive rebounding team that where the second chances for Syracuse are going to be slim. And Houston's three-point defense is actually top five in the nation when it comes to uh, opponents' field goal percentage on, on, from behind the arc. Uh, so that's something that's very concerning to me and, and why I think Houston will probably win this one. But it's March Madness. It's a crazy time. Um, I mean, I'm, I support Syracuse here, but, man, it is going to be an uphill battle just because of how good um, Houston is defending against the three-pointer and how good their, their rebounding is, especially on the offensive end. Um, all right, so the next matchup here, you have the four-seed Florida State uh, Seminoles and the one-seed Michigan Wolverines. And uh, I, in my bracket, I do have Florida State beating Michigan here, uh, mainly because Isaiah Livers is out. One of Michigan's best players um, has the stress fracture in his foot or whatever it may be. Um, now, I think a, a reason why Florida State's defense, just based on what I saw in the first two games of the tournament, um, yeah, their defense only allowing like 53 points a game a, a month. They played UNC Greensboro, and then they played Colorado. Um Obviously, not opponents like Michigan should be, but but still, that's that's a telling sign that that this is going to be a, a battle um, in this game, and um, I think the battle is going to be absolutely fiery down low in the paint there, especially with uh, Hunter Dickinson, uh, the big man. I believe he's seven feet tall for for Michigan, averaging like fourteen points a game or fifteen points a game, and then seven or eight rebounds. Uh, if if Florida State can't defend him and, and that allows Michigan to get the easy baskets, then that, then that could be an issue. Um, I think if Michigan has the lead late, that benefits them because if Florida State's in a situation where they have to foul, Michigan's very good from the three-throw line, a top 20 three-throw percentage in the nation this past se- or this season. Um, so Florida State, I think, definitely has to be leading or keep it close enough to where fouling isn't going to be an issue or else Michigan could pull away late in the game. Um, I mean, I got to roll with Florida State here because in my bracket I have them winning, but I I will not be surprised whatsoever, even without Isaiah Livers, if Michigan wins this game. Um, and then finally, I uh, just wanted to cover quickly the other two matchups that I haven't talked about yet. 11 seed UCLA, so another double-digit seed into the Sweet 16 here. Um, uh, actually, a team who had a play into the into the round of 64 by beating Michigan State. Um, they're playing two seed Alabama, and I unfortunately I think the run ends for UCLA. Um, I think Alabama the just the fast pace of their offense and the amount of shots that they can put up. Um, I mean, they attempt like the most three pointers, I think in a game in the entire nation. Um, if you're looking at the season stats. So, uh, 
I mean, they scored 90, what was it, 96 against Maryland last game. So uh, one by like 20 plus. Um, so if they do something like similar to that, then there's no way UCLA is going to be able to win that game. Um, and the final one, actually a, a Pac-12 matchup here. So this is kind of intriguing. Um, this is going to be late Sunday night here. I think the tip-off is like at 9.45 or something like that. Um, you have the seven-seed Oregon Ducks and the six-seed Southern Cal Trojans here. And uh, I I mean, I really don't know about this one. I think it's going to be very close. Um, I'll, I mean, I'm not going to go out and really pick a team here or strongly pick a team here. Um, I'll give you reasons why each team may win. Um, I like Oregon because of um, what they can do behind the three point line. They are very good at shooting the ball. I believe a top 20 team in the nation um, shooting behind the arc. And uh, with USC, it really is with the mobile brothers and, and the rebounding and the ability to get second chance points for the team. Uh, that's, um, that that proved um, very uh, to be very helpful against Kansas last round for uh, USC pulling off the the mini upset there over three C Kansas uh, to where they I mean they out rebounded them probably by fifteen and uh, and the second chance points obviously from that it was was huge uh, these teams did play earlier in the season uh, USC did win seventy two to fifty eight but it's tournament time I think it's going to be a little different. Um, I guess if I was being completely honest, probably advantage to USC, but uh, I guess I favor Oregon slightly just because of how they played against Iowa. Um, all right, that's all I got. Um, like I like I keep saying, just uh, make sure to uh, follow along with the social media pages at Speak Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Um, stay stay up to date with the blogs, YouTube page. Eventually, I'll get something up there. Um, and yeah, just uh, thank you for your uh, continual support. And I will see you all on Monday with with updates of the tournament and anything else that's going on.